Russo, the world's most famous clown. If you're a conservative Christian, can I be honest with you for a minute? No, God, please, no, no! I'm a little concerned with the obsession so many of you have with trans people and drag queens. Oh, I see. So you don't want to see a close-up picture of my anus because you hate gay men. And if I'm being really honest, it feels like you're trying to distract us from addressing real problems in the country, like Stop it. Get some help. How we still don't have affordable health care for people, or how wages have been stagnant for decades, or how we have a mound of garbage twice the size of Texas currently in our- If you don't know who that was, I wouldn't be surprised. Heretics are a dime a dozen these days. But that was Tim of the New Evangelicals, a group that doesn't get the inherent value of human life and therefore does not know why we shouldn't be chopping off the body parts of kids or exposing children to sexually explicit material. But if you're not getting things right in Genesis 1, you can't really be expected to get any of the rest of it right. What happens when a group of people who have been so demoralized that even those who are supposed to be moral leaders can't stand against child sacrifice and the bodily mutilation of minors and trump that with discussions of healthcare and garbage in the ocean? What does it say of us when the church is being invaded by the woke mind virus. It is the dawning of an age where we need to repent your bigotry, repent your phobias, cast down ableism, and cast down sexism. In an age of anti-truth where one question can wreck the whole empire. You know that you're a woman. What is that? A quick glance in the past provides a helpful answer. In these flyers from World War II that you can see on the screen, you see Hitler wanted American soldiers to return home and go back to their factory jobs where they can make at least $45 a week, as opposed to risking their life for a measly $15 a week. The idea is this, return to safety, quit fighting, existential evil after all is not that big of a deal. I'm okay, you're okay, just stay quiet and let evil go unopposed. Always said the spider to the fly. Demoralization has always been defined as taking away the will to fight from another, as you see in these flyers. But what does the phrase demoralize have to do with actually taking away the will to fight? Well, the best way to take away the will to fight from a person is to take away that person's morality. Because once you do that, they have nothing worth fighting for. If you have nothing to fight for and nothing to die for, you become easy prey. And there might be some that are actually after that agenda. If Christianity can be reduced to nothing more than tolerance, social justice, and warm feelings, then all you get is a warm glass of milk to put you to sleep, rather than the heroic and bold faith that has withstood evil in every generation. But this has been the neo-Marxist program from the beginning. When Marx declared that religion is the opiate of the masses, he wasn't calling religious people doped up stoners. What he was really saying is that religious people are the biggest threat to my revolution. If I can strip them of what makes them strong by making them look dumb, I can win and I will be unopposed. And he's not wrong. If you strip a society of its morals, not only will it lose the will to fight, but it will also set a timeline in motion that if not corrected soon, will spell the demise of that society. For a demoralized society, the media plays an important role. That's why even if you don't like Tucker Carlson, his departure from Fox News is troubling for us all. And I'll show you why. Today I'll show you that democracy doesn't die in darkness, it dies in a 24-hour news cycle dedicated to a narrative. And then I'll show you 
how a demoralized society rejoices when children are sacrificed, just as they did last week in Nebraska when a heartbeat bill failed to pass. And finally, I'll show you how Christianity is being demoralized by the likes of those in the new evangelical slash deconstruction movement, and how their take on transing kids is not only heretical, but a symptom of a society already on the brink. We'll talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. It's a very wise decision, and I want to encourage you towards those kind of independent thoughts. Um, but not only is it wise to like, share, and subscribe, but it's also wise to take your family's financial future into your own hands. I mean, are you really going to trust our political class to actually do a U-turn, turn around, and actually become fiscally responsible? I mean, we listen to Joe Biden constantly tell us how great his economy has been and then go to the grocery store and come away scratching our heads. So the reality is, is they will continue to lie, but you can be responsible for your family's financial future. And you can do that by investing in real estate. Now, maybe you need to invest in real estate beyond the renting that you're doing right now for yourself on a, on a personal basis, because renting is just throwing your money down the gutter. And maybe you're not renting, you own your own home, but maybe you want to build wealth for your family. A great way to do that is to flip a home, maybe purchase a home and rent it out to somebody else who may be in need. But the reality is this, is that investing in real estate is always a great idea, even now. So if you want to do that, you need to go to our friends over at Element Home Loans. See, Kevin Blair and his team not only are masters at customer service, my family and I right now are doing a, a loan that's being processed with them. And uh, they give you all of the information that you need up front. And they have turned down, I think, two loans and underwriting in the many, many years they've been doing this. So needless to say, they do everything up front. They do it with excellence so that you can go out, purchase your home with the confidence that you will get that home and that nothing's going to happen that is beyond your control because they're going to make sure to take care of you. But in order to do that, you need to go to kbmtg.com and you need to do it today. And when you do so, let them know that any thinker sent you. Now, in keeping with the subject of demoralization, we're going to look at the demoralization of the media or the stripping away of morals from the, the media. And we saw this just recently as last week was quite a shakeup for a bunch of different media companies as people were being fired left and right. Now, I want to start with, with Don Lemon here because Vivek Ramaswamy is running for the Republican presidential candidacy in 2024. And now Vivek has no chance of actually winning and becoming the president, although I find him an intriguing guy, a very intelligent person, his book on woke capitalism um, is is really, really great. Uh, but he has as much chance of winning as Dylan Mulvaney has of getting pregnant in the future. However, on his campaign tour, he stopped by to speak with Don Lemon, and he did accomplish something fantastic along the way. Because after his appearance on Don Lemon's show, Don Lemon was fired from CNN. So here's just a small clip showing you why that quite possibly took place. Not for black people to have freedoms in this country. Yeah. Actually, that's why the Civil War was fought. Okay. And the sad that part wasn't about fought it. For, for black people to have guns, I think. Actually, you don't know, funny fact is black people did not get to enjoy the other freedoms until their Second Amendment rights were secured. And I think that that's black, one of the lessons that we learned. aren't allowed to enjoy the freedoms. I disagree well with you country. on that, Don. I okay. disagree with you. And I think you're doing a disservice well, to our country okay. 
by failing to recognize when the you, fact that we have equality before the law. When you are in black skin and you live in this country, then you can disagree with me. But we're not. You mentioned in here that I we disagree. have three I, different shades John, of I think we have to be able here. to talk about these issues in the open regardless of the color of our skin. Black Americans today, to say that, compare that to 1865 and 1964, I think absolutely have equal rights in this country. I, I think it's insulting. Now, surprise, surprise, it's a surprise to me, maybe it's a surprise to you, but you can't be a racist even on cable news television and tell somebody that just because they're not as black as you are that they don't have a right to tell you what to believe about history. So suffice to say, Don Lemon has his own view of history now sitting in his home by himself wondering what to do with his life because the reality is, is Don Lemon being fired from CNN bothers about absolutely no one. And this is good because no one cares that Don Lemon was on the network in the first place, and most people knew it was going to happen sooner or later as heads started to roll over at CNN when Jeff Zucker took over. But Don Lemon has showed over and over and over again that he's a self-centered, elitist, racist, narcissist, and they're a dime a dozen in the left-wing media. But then again, when I say media and left-wing, I repeat myself since most of it is left wing. Uh, but that, but I bring Don Lemon up to juxtapose what just took place with Tucker Carlson. Now, I think it's good that Lemon was fired. And I think that Tucker is, it's bad that he was fired. And I'm not being hypocritical in this, in this way, because while Don Lemon is the epitome of the media establishment taking on the kind of rhetoric and the ideas of, of the, the woke left that inundate the media today, Tucker is different. Now, you may have an irrational irrational, irate hatred that you should frankly be ashamed of toward Tucker Carlson. You may hate Tucker, but I hope you can at least agree with this, is that Tucker was an, an anti-establishment voice on an established network. He was somebody who would say things that others would not say. A lot of times that got him into trouble, but Sometimes I think it's important to have that kind of juxtaposing voice. Now, I say this to somebody who didn't really listen to Tucker Carlson at all. I didn't watch him and maybe only caught clips of his monologue here and there on social media, but, but I didn't watch him, so I can't call myself a fan. I'm merely just saying this, that it's bad for Tucker to be gone because what we need in the media is we need parity. We need people who are going to offset what's going on in the vast majority of the mainstream networks with other messages, maybe messages that you don't like, maybe messages that you emotionally disagree with, but it's good because it helps reinforce what you believe or might even once in a while change what you already think, which is pretty helpful if you wanna be an independent thinker. But there's one further point here. Not only was Tucker anti-establishment, he was one of the most famous news personalities in history. Again, you may have a demonic hatred that you should ask God for forgiveness for right now toward Tucker Carlson because he is a human being at the end of the day. And as we'll get to in a moment, if you listen to his heritage speech, I defy you as a Christian to listen to that and not shake your head and say, well, he's got a point, even if you don't like anything he said on his news show. But, but he is one of the most famous news personalities in history, not just in conservative media, not just bigger than Rush Limbaugh. We're talking about period. The guy was a ratings giant because he actually had a lot of talent. So in, in the absence of an anti-establishment voice and in the absence of somebody who was perhaps one of the most famous and well-known voices in media history, 
I can't help but wonder why Tucker is gone and also lament that he is gone because it means that the left has a firmer grasp on the mainstream narrative going on in and around our society. And I've given up a long time ago on thinking that people are going to think for themselves regardless of the information they get. People are going to listen to others if they agree with them very often rather than if they have a point. So needless to say, here's a couple of conspiracy theories for why Tucker is actually gone since I think it's important that his voice made such made such an impact. So the first one is this, is the Dominion theory. So some news outlets are reporting that Tucker is gone because he's responsible for helping the Fox News company lose the Dominion case. Now this is incredibly important primarily for one reason, because even if you don't like Tucker, if you listen to The View, God help you, if, if you, that's kind of where your mentality is and you feel like those women have good things to say and you've been convinced of that for some reason, if you listen to them, then what you would, would want is you want those news personalities who are going to say, hey, the voter fraud thing with Trump in the, in the 2020 election, that, that was nothing less than misinformation from the Russians or needless to say, Trump was the reason that, uh, that January 6th happened and that was exacerbated by the news media on Fox declaring that the election was stolen. So if you're in that camp and you don't actually think that people have personal responsibility and personal agency, uh, because you don't really believe in a God that grants people that, you just think people are mindless robots and you just should listen to your overlords, if you're in that camp, then what you would want to do is you would want to look at the fact that Tucker Carlson is probably most likely the reason that Fox lost the Dominion voting uh, defamation case because Dominion got access to some of the emails and even texts of some of the Fox News personalities. And it is reported that uh, when Sidney Powell came on Tucker Carlson's show that Tucker said this woman is a liar and expressed great doubt in w as to whether or not the Dominion voting case uh, was, sorry, the Dominion voting scandal was actually legitimate. So this is what Tucker was, was saying and probably why Fox lost that case. So Tucker wasn't one of those people that was peddling this nonsense theory about the 2020 election being stolen. Now, I know that that might get some people upset on the right, but I want equal level of thoughtfulness here on either side of, of, of the aisle. And, and I'll just say this. Was there ways in which the 2020 election was influenced? I think that is undoubtedly true. But was it stolen in the way that Trump and, and others that follow him say that it was? I, I don't think that's undeniably true. Needless to say, uh, the lamestream media was crying out for a voice to uh, to speak the truth and to quit misinforming people and to quit, uh, you know, ruffling feathers. And, and so if you want that and you want that on the right, then Tucker Carlson would be your guy uh, because he certainly didn't peddle in that conspiracy much at all. Now, there's a second theory. And the second theory here is that Tucker Carlson called a senior executive at the network the C word. Now, I don't know if there's any credibility to this. I think it's highly likely that it probably took place. But needless to say, it's possible that, that Tucker started getting uh, a little bit too big for his britches, as we say here in the South, and then started thinking that he was um, too cool for school, as we say nowhere, and uh, was fired as a result of that. Now, there's a third theory out there, and the last one was about the C word. This one's about the P word. 
because Tucker just recently gave a fantastic speech that I would encourage everyone to check out at the Heritage Foundation. And in this speech, he details the fact that we're not really in a battle between right and left. We're not in a battle between the Republicans and Democrats. We're in a battle between good and evil. When we think about child sacrifice going on in our nation, when we think about the mutilation of children, what we're actually talking about really at the end of the day is not policies. We're talking about spiritual things. And his encouragement is that we need to be engaged, but we also need to be prayerful. Say a prayer for our nation. I mean, it was, a, it was a fantastic speech. You should listen to it. Some people are saying it's the best speech they've ever heard or certainly ever heard from Tucker Carlson. But he gives a spiritual clarity to what's going on in our world that I hear few in elite societies, you know, in elite circles tell us. And certainly Tucker, although on the right, is, is in, in elite, an elite part of society just simply based upon his wealth. But so to hear a modicum of moral clarity about what's going on in the world is so fantastic. In fact... I left the speech thinking to myself, why, why aren't there more evangelicals that sound just like him? Um, you don't have to be naive to think that there are forces out there that want Christianity dead or that want religion to be destroyed. Um, all you have to do is just open your eyes. And so his speech that day, I think, was, was absolutely fantastic. And a lot of people are saying that because Rupert Murdoch is very secular and a secular humanist, that he had some issues with the speech. Now, I don't know any of that to be true. All I can say is that that's one of the, that's one of the theories. But beyond all of that, I can just tell you this, that what Thomas Jefferson said about the media is correct. He said that ignorance and freedom are not compatible with each other. And essentially, he told us that a well-informed people is the only safeguard against totalitarianism. And we need the media for that. And in order to combat that, we need more speech, not less speech. So Tucker going away from the network is a little bit troubling because I don't know an anti-establishment voice in the media that's going to take his place. In fact, they're just going to probably put an existing personality where Tucker once was. And I personally think the, the best days of Fox are behind them. I don't think they're going to be able to recover from this. I think they'll file Chapter 11 and get out of some of these um, these legal predicaments that they're finding themselves in now and potentially will find themselves in in the future because I don't think they can survive the absence and the exit of Tucker Carlson. So I don't know what the game plan is here. Whatever it is, I think it has more to do with ideology than it actually does with practical business sense. But I, but I, but I do know this, that if we don't have an informed people who are really hearing the truth and are hearing more than just leftist talking points, then it does spell some trouble for the future. But my only hope is this, is that perhaps Tucker's absence also spells a changing of the guard. And I can't help but wonder if that's what's happening or going to happen in media now that, now that Tucker is gone. And if it does, I do believe there is a cure. And that cure is this, is that you're going to have to search for new media because old media is dead and new media is king. You're going to have to look for new media and podcasts like this one, hopefully, but certainly other podcasts that will help you stay informed and help you think for yourself. Because in the absence of a moral media, we will consistently be fed propaganda and not be able to tell up from down and left from right. And it will spell some definitely troubling times for our civilization. As you can see in our next story to show you that in the Nebraska State Capitol, there were people that were elated beside themselves, overjoyed 
at the fact that a heartbeat bill would not be instituted, but that they would be able to abort and murder children in their state. So here is that celebratory moment. About after hours of debate, the Heartbeat Act came to a cloture vote. Senators voted 32 to 15, with Senators Wayne and Wrightby abstaining from voting today. Now, that's one vote less than what they needed to get the filibuster um, stopped. Senator Megan Hunt said that this is a step in the right direction to protect people's privacy and health care. So as you can see on the screen, there are people hugging each other, celebrating, rejoicing at the fact that babies would be aborted. Now, as we look at this, I say quite the celebration. Maybe your grandchildren one day will look at this and think about the heroic actions you took here at the state capitol. Um, but pushing aside the demonic jubilation over the death of babies, um, I just have to ask this. Where were the celebrating churches at the state capitals in and around different cities in America where they celebrated the fact that Roe v. Wade was overturned? I remember some pastors actually saying something like this, that it is our obligation not to rejoice right now, but to actually comfort those who are hurting. And, and I am embarrassed by some of the rejoicing at the, ex at the cost of somebody's pain. It's like, what, what are we talking about? Uh, the last I checked, that thou shalt murder thing was pretty, you know, pretty steel-manned in that we should actually endorse that. But, but here we have celebrating pagans, and churches were, were hard-pressed to really overtly celebrate this, except within their own context. Now, of course, all over churches that Sunday when Roe v. Wade was overturned, there was some mini-celebrations during the announcements, and then they went back to life as usual. But I didn't see large big celebrations being held out in city streets that babies would be defended, which can't help but wonder if that spells um, doom for whatever future litigation will happen for Roe v. Wade. But I can say this, you know, we did hear that abortion is going to be destroyed all over the place and, you know, turning overturning Roe v. Wade is just going to mean that all these states everywhere are going to uh, make sure that no one can ever get an abortion. Well, that hasn't been the case. Actually, giving people states' rights has actually provided the opportunity for some states to strengthen their pro-baby death laws. But I also want to show you one more thing from this celebration. Look at these old women here hugging each other and taking a selfie, I guess, so that they can remember and commemorate on their Facebook that they were there the day that they got to murder babies. But it's also kind of ironic, right? These women have lived their life. They can't produce children anymore. And, uh, you know, ostensibly, probably, they, they've had their own kids. And, and now they're here to just make sure that they strip away the rights of future generations to live. I'm sure their grandkids are going to be so proud of them one day if they actually have them. Um, but but here's like here's the the point of that is I thought this crowd was the my body my choice movement, but I mean if we're going to be literal here and not figurative, which if I was going to be figurative I would just say really my body my choice means shut the hell up if you don't agree with me, but my body my choice should essentially be if you have the capacity to have children that it is your choice to do it. Now, forget the fact that men are a part of that equation or else you wouldn't have the kid in there in the first place. But nonetheless, the idea in my body, my choice is, hey, I'm a woman, I can have a baby, therefore 
I have the right to choose. I have a, um, a, a I, I guess, a superimposed right to, to choose because of this divine ability that was given to me by God. I have the right to choose between life or death. That's the idea, right? But, but to be logically consistent, wouldn't these old women have to shut their mouth? They don't have a body that can produce a child anymore. So it has nothing to do with them. At least that's what we're told by the my body, my choice crowd. Ultimately, it's nothing more than a liturgical statement because what we're watching at the Nebraska State Capitol is really what I wanted to talk about. Because we're not watching a debate on policy. We're not even talking about left versus right here in this instance. We're talking about child sacrifice. There's no debate here about whether or not it's right to kill a child if they have a heartbeat that you can hear with a machine. See, because the vast majority of abortions that take place in America are simply done so at the sake of convenience. We, we can talk about rape and incest if you want to. I'm familiar with those debates, and we can talk about rape and incest and what we do in those situations and whether or not the baby should be held punishable because a woman was raped by a man that should really truly be held punishable for that act. So we can have that debate, but if we're going to be honest about abortion in America, 98%, and that's being charitable, 98% of abortions that take place in America are simply done so out of the sake of convenience. And what is that except child sacrifice? See, Christians are the ones who are are accused of being pagans. You know, you believe in this delusional fairy tale God that so that you can be blessed. But Let's stretch back in history and just put that to the test. There's an old prayer, I think, in, in ancient Greece, one of the oldest prayers, and it simply goes something to the effect of, God, come down and, and bless my crops. And the idea is not even send rain to bless my crops. The idea is that God is going to be with me to benefit me. And I'm willing to offer up this prayer to give to God so that he can benefit me in some way. And so the idea for many skeptics is that Christianity and other religions are just merely a way for other people to try to resist fate. But that's not what history tells us. In fact, history tells us that Christians were the ones who were the enemies of pagans. See, in early Rome, when Christianity was thriving, Christians were martyred because they weren't pagan enough. They would declare that there's only one God, and they would declare that the false practices of the pagans were, were not only untrue but immoral, and then people would kill them as a result of that. And how is that any different than what we're seeing in the present, where the pro-life community is by and large religious and they want to protect life, and then the other side of the aisle simply, 98% of those abortions, again, the other side of that aisle simply wants to offer up their children on an altar for the sake of convenience. Maybe they don't have enough money, or maybe they don't know how they're going to graduate um, high school or graduate college. And so to, to appease, since they can't say God, they appease fate, and they want to avoid the fate that is coming upon them. So they offer up their baby on an altar, and they sacrifice that baby. So, of course, we see the pagans in this instance are not Christians. But Christians are taking their historical role in standing for truth, while others want to simply appease fate by sacrificing their child on an altar. They want to appease a deity, even if they don't call it that. Even if that deity is nothing more than the, the idol of the self. This is all an attempt to try to improve your life at the sake of another person's life. And at the end of the day, one would think that what we need actually is a return to morals so that we don't find ourselves doing what every civilization has done in the history of the world before it. See, we think we've so advanced because of technology, but actually there's been no civilization in human history that has not practiced child sacrifice, and we're no exception. 
we're still doing the same thing every single day, which is why we need morality rather than less of it. And our secular human age isn't having it. And unfortunately, the institutions that are supposed to be declaring this morality, by and large, aren't doing it either. And that's why we need to look in our last segment today at Bible study with Democrats. Oh, God of pronouns. At the top of the show, I discussed the new evangelicals, and I want to describe them for you so that you know exactly who they are. And so on their website, it says this, the new evangelicals are an inclusive Jesus-centered community that holds space for those marginalized by the evangelical church through building community, exploring faith, and systemic change. Now, a lot of that mumbo-jumbo might not mean anything to you, so let me interpret since I run in these circles. When they say inclusive, they mean universalist. They mean that Jesus isn't the only way to heaven, that we're going to be inclusive of all ideas, even the really dumb ones. Now, when they say hold space, I have to be honest with you. Um, I have no idea what in the world that means. Hold space? Like, what space are you holding? And did you know that you can't hold space? Anyway, uh, but let's, let's move on because uh, we hear that they are there to protect the marginalized in the evangelical church. And I mean, at first glance, that sounds really, really great. But actually what it means that we want to that we want to hold space and we want to be an inclusive community that holds space for the marginalized uh, by the evangelical church. What they actually mean is that we would rather lie to you and be your friend than tell you the truth and be your enemy. That's, that's really what they're talking about at the end of the day. And then they say, we want to build community. So what they actually mean there is that we want to use bud, buzzwords that make us seem like we're hip, like marginalized and systemic. Oh, and we're building community as long as you're not one of those real evangelicals or Trump voters, because then you can get the hell out of here because we want nothing to do with you. But if you hate everything that Christianity stands for, you're maybe in the LGBTQIA plus ad infinitum unicorn um, four-leaf clover rabbit foot group, or you're a Marxist or Sam Smith, well, the, our doors are wide open for community for you guys because we are clout chasers rather than truth chasers. And then finally, they say they explore the faith. What are you guys? Dora? What faith are you exploring? What this means, actually, is we hold to zero evangelical interpretations of Scripture, and we give zero craps about the historic Jesus or actually the Bible. Because you don't need to explore the faith, you just need to declare it. And then finally, they say, we're for systemic change. We're just going to bash Christians like a teenager throwing a fit when his dad grounds him, is essentially what they mean by systemic change. Is we're not going to look to the wisdom of the past. We are going to reinvent wisdom today to make ourselves sound super hip. And we're going to rebel against the wisdom of the past, as you can see in this clip here. If you're a conservative Christian, can I be honest with you for a minute? I'm a little concerned with the obsession so many of you have with trans people and drag queens. And if I'm being really honest, it feels like you're trying to distract us from addressing real problems in the country, like how we still don't have affordable healthcare for people, or how wages have been stagnant for decades, or how we have a mound of garbage twice the size of Texas currently in our oceans, or how housing is becoming more and more unaffordable for millions of people. And let's not get us started on the rampant pride, greed, and pastoral abuse happening inside your own spaces. But you want me to ignore all that and to be more worried about the one trans athlete in Kentucky or drag queen story hour, which no one is forcing you to go to? Why? Well, I think it's because one costs you nothing and the others will cost you everything and you'd rather force someone to bear your cross for you than to bear it yourself. 
So since you asked the question, Tim, I will do my best to answer it. Why do evangelical Christians, the real ones, that is, actually care about Drag Queen Story Hour? Why do we care about transgenderism? And why are we so outspoken on the issue? Well, it isn't because we want somebody else to carry our cross, but actually because we care about a couple of things. First of all, we care about the trans-slash-drag agenda because it is dedicated to grooming children. Just recently in Florida, they banned indecent exposure to children and, um, and doing sexually explicit things in public around children. And the pride parade that was planned for Florida, which, by the way, you can't go through a single month of the year without a pride parade, apparently now, even outside of June. So at the moment Florida banned that kind of sexually explicit material for children, they canceled their show. I mean, these guys can't even see themselves anymore. They are so echo chambered in their LGBTQIA left-wing sexual ideology that they can't understand that when you cancel a show because you can't sexually groom children, that what you're actually admitting to is that you're interested in sexually grooming children. But this is exactly what we already know. We've seen these performances of basically young children, 10 and 11 years old, doing strip shows without the stripping, but nonetheless doing stripper moves in front of children like you can see on the screen right now. So the reason we resist this stuff, Tim, is because children matter and this agenda is dedicated to grooming them. And Jesus kind of thought it was important, too, because he's like, hey, if you harm one of these little ones, then it's better for you to throw yourself in the river and drown yourself. So we actually kind of think that Jesus meant what he said, unlike some people we know. But the second thing is this. The trans agenda hurts other people. The puberty blockers that are just supposed to put a pause on your puberty actually, if taken early enough, can cause blindness in children and have already been proven, regardless of what the trans activists say, to cause infertility. The moment these children who cannot consent to taking puberty blockers take them, they are putting their future ability to have kids in the hands of Big Pharma. So we care about this because we care about the hurt. We care about the damage that it does to other people. Right now on the screen, you can see a TikTok of a young woman dressed as a man who has two scars on her breast where she had a double mastectomy. Um, and then you can see a, another person who I believe is a woman that's obviously been taking testosterone with this other individual. And what you see is them swapping their, their, their hormones. So the woman is giving estrogen to the man and the man is giving testosterone to the woman. And so they're injecting each other on screen and giddily laughing. Now, if that's not horrific enough for you, just remember something that I think we all know at this point in time. The media wants to tell you about all the people who will commit suicide, like this story on the screen, if they do not have quote-unquote gender-affirming care. But what you will never hear from the mainstream media and what you should know comes from an alternative source here from, an, from a foreign country because you don't hear it in the mainstream in America is stories like this. A 26-year-old trans man named Ez Eden died on Saturday as a result of complications arising from sex reassignment surgery. So the casualties of the trans movement are why we actually care, Tim. And then finally, the reason we care is because the trans movement, the drag queen movement in America today, it's anti-truth. A simple question destroys the house of cards that has been built for us in America today.
What is a woman? And that question needs to be asked more and more and more because a society that lives by lies has been humiliated and demoralized. And when they are, they're way easier to control. That's why I think we need to have a conversation about this stuff because the new evangelicals are not new in any shape, form, or fashion. They're just old liberal theology. And they're certainly not evangelical. Can somebody just get us like old Coke back? It was way better than new Coke. The reason we need to return to it is because as liberalism rises, immorality grows, and we need morality to hold a society together. This is why Christianity is innately conservative and not liberal. So I understand liberalism has some thoughts that are important to discuss, but ultimately Christianity believes in an authoritative past found in Scripture. So maybe it's okay if we don't rebel against our parents like a bunch of spoiled teenage brats. Maybe it's okay if we don't want to reinvent human sexuality in every generation because somehow we've obtained some greater enlightenment than the past. Maybe preserving wisdom of the past should be a little bit more edgy and cutting edge, maybe, sure. But even if it's not sexy, it's true. And that's what should matter. When we don't value the wisdom of the past, we get nothing more than this pseudo-intellectual garbage being peddled as thoughtfulness like you see from the new evangelicals. We get garbage in the ocean is in some way equivalent to the mutilation of kids. If it's true you can judge a society by the way it treats its most vulnerable citizens, then protect kids. Damn the garbage and damn you if you call yourself a Christian and you can't find the moral courage to see the difference between the two. But hopefully you can, and if you can, I'd love to hear from you down in the comments section below. Thanks so much for watching, and if you don't want to be demoralized, go with God.